Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Welcome to part two of Relationships. Did y'all enjoy Chris Reese last week? Did you guys, were y'all here for that? Everybody, I got a lot of texts that y'all loved him and that... I know the, what I, the text I got the most was they were like, man, Pastor Christian, he's just not as jacked as you are. Like, it was weird that he was in the NFL, but you're so much bigger than him, you know. So I get that a lot. Um, hey, I am happy to be back with you guys. I have never missed um, Texas and the United States more. It was an amazing time. So for those of you who don't know, I went to Israel 10 days. I work with an organization that goes over there, and we, we try and better Jewish-Christian relationships. And so... Met with every, like everyone but the prime minister and met with our U.S. ambassador there, went through the new embassy in Jerusalem. We did all kind of interviews for TV stuff and then met with um, their, like their secretary of religious affairs, secretary of defense, secretary of everyone to talk about how they can better connect with Americans, with millennials, with evangelicals. So it was a great time, had a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to taking a team from our church there one day, which will be awesome. I know a lot of you have said, man, Israel's a bucket list trip for me, and it will be. It is amazing. Um, but all I wanted when I got home was, like, a hot dog. Like, I was just craving, like, some good American food. Um, there is no place like America. I'm glad called, God called me here. Hey, let's pray, and we'll jump into it. Dear God, thank you so much for each and every person here. God, thank you that as we gather this morning that we know that you want to speak to our hearts. God, we ask that you would speak to us. Truly, it is your property to speak to your children. Pray that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be your words, God. And I pray that you would bring revelation to our hearts and minds, that we'd get a little closer to you and a little closer to people today. Bless us, keep us, watch over us, protect us. God, thank you for Valley Rise Church. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. So as I was in Israel, really one of the things that God continued to do in me as you walk the ground where Jesus walked and you're in the landscape where Jesus was, was that we got to be more like Jesus. What I kept, every trip I go, there's something I take away. And this takeaway for me was I've got to become more like Jesus. How many of you just, so just as, this, was a, this was a bet that we made between all of the pastors on this trip. How many of you knew that Jesus was Jewish? Okay. They told me maybe 50% of our congregation knew. I said, I guarantee you the majority of our congregation knows Jesus was Jewish. So Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was obviously raised a Jew and, and, and then shifted everything when he fulfilled the Jewish prophecies. And so um, we got to be more like Jesus. That doesn't mean that you have to be Jewish. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I met one, and, and one night I go out to eat and I meet this boy and we're talking and he's asking me what I'm doing. I'm, I'm telling him I'm a pastor and he's like, like a priest. I'm like, no. Like they have zero concept of what we're doing right here. Like they know the Catholic church, that's it. So he's like, you're like a priest. I'm like, kind of, but like, no, like a little different. He's like, do you have nuns? I'm like, I don't have nuns. Um, <laughs> it was just the most foreign concept in the world to them. So we start talking and he tells me, you know, like I'm studying yeshiva, which is their like Bible school. And that's awesome. And he's yeah. And I said, well, you know, what are some of the rules? He said, well, I haven't touched a woman in two years. I said, you mean like, like kissed a woman? He goes, no, 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 at all. Like brushed shoulders with, high-fived with, hugged with, like anything. I'm like, that's, that's actually very impressive. Um, I said, well, what do you, you know, like, what do you, he's, I don't ever look at a woman. I said, what do you do if you're walking on the street and you see a woman? And he pulls out this thing that they wear, you know, that have the tassels. He goes, I just hold this and I pray really hard. <laughs> so I said, that's, that is very impressive. But thank God that we are not Jewish. Um, 
We are Christians, and thank God that Jesus did that. And as we talk about relationships, I believe that if we can view our relationships through the eyes of Jesus, if we can become more like Jesus, then our relationships can become relationships that are more impactful. The first time that Christians were ever actually called Christians, which is what we are, is Acts 11.26. I love this, 11.26. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the, no, Acts, sorry, Acts 11.26. Nope. Don't have it? There we go. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year, and they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. I love the Passion Translation. If you've never read the Bible, if you're trying to get into reading the Bible, if you want to start reading the Bible, if you're bored of reading the Bible and you want to be not bored reading the Bible, get the Passion Translation Bible. It's amazing. Passion Translation tells us, Together, Saul and Barnabas ministered there for a full year, equipping the growing church and teaching the vast number of new converts. It was in Antioch that the followers of Jesus were first revealed as anointed ones. I love this because what this means is it shifts us from just looking at ourselves as Christians. And it says that there's something deeper when we buy into who Jesus is. That when we buy into who Jesus is, it doesn't only just change who we are, but then when you're anointed, it changes everywhere that you go. It means that when you step into a situation, the situation changes. It means that when you show up in chaos, there's peace. When you are a Christian, it means that you are an anointed one who has a relationship with God that changes everything. I love our title, Relationships, because relationships are just that. They will either carry you somewhere, they will drag you down, they will either float you or they will sink you. And as I was Putting this message together, I was putting a part of it together on the, the, the Sea of Galilee. Can we put that picture up there? So I took this picture because I said this will be awesome. I took that picture. I'm like a professional photographer. Isn't that awesome? I was like waiting for the boats to get in the right place. People are like, what are you doing? I'm like, don't mess me up. we got to wait for the light to be right. I took that picture. But I, I took it writing this message in my mind going, Imagine Jesus, we, we oftentimes, you think of the Sea of Galilee, and you know, I, I think we don't even know what that is. You think maybe it's like, a, it's really not that big. And so Jesus is going from one shore to one shore in the story we're going to talk about this morning. Matthew 8, 23. Matthew 8, 23. They all got into a boat and began to cross over to the other side of the lake. And Jesus, and you just saw that, that is, they called it the Sea of Galilee. And I actually was very confused because I got there and I'm like, why did they call this a sea? Like, this is pretty much a lake. And they were like, yeah, like they just didn't know that there was another, like, thing that was a sea. So they just called it a sea and it just kind of stuck. I was like, well, all right. They all got in. They went and Jesus, exhausted, fell asleep. Suddenly, violent storm developed with waves so high the boat was about to be swamped. Yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly. The disciples woke him up saying, save us, Lord. We're going to die. But Jesus reprimanded them. Why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith? Then he stood up and rebuked the storm and said, be still. And instantly it became perfectly calm. The disciples were astonished by this miracle and said to another, who is this man? Even the wind and waves obey his words. I want to give you three keys to having healthy relationships today. And I believe that if we can put these into practice, it won't only just help your relationships, your friendships, it'll help your marriages, it'll help your relationships with your children. Because there are some practical principles to relationships that we can learn from Jesus that I think oftentimes we go through our whole lives and never even think about. Go back to the beginning of that verse. Um, yeah, beginning of uh, Matthew 8, perfect. They all got into a boat and began to cross over to the other side of the lake, and Jesus, exhausted, fell asleep. Number one, healthy relationships require rest. Healthy relationships require rest. Listen, just because you're unhealthy doesn't mean that your relationship is unhealthy. 
Let me also give you a little hope today. Relationships, healthy relationships are learned, they're not known. None of us know this naturally. So if this is like news to you, this was news to me at some point. Like nobody just comes out of the womb going like, you know what, I know how to have healthy boundaries. This is pretty good. I figured that out in the womb. None of us know that. Anyone who's ever been married knows you got to learn how to be married. You don't know how to be married. And all the married people said, amen. Yeah. I'm looking, wives are looking at their husbands like, you say amen. You don't know yet. My wife, a friend of ours, called today, and she just said, uh, called her this week and just said, are men retarded or do they just really not know? And I'm like, no, y'all give us too much credit. We really just don't know. Like, if we knew we'd do it, we just don't know. I promise. Um, Healthy relationships require rest. Don't confuse an unhealthy relationship with unhealthy people. Two, create, this is two, B, under one, um, create healthy boundaries. How many of you have ever sat down and thought about what your boundaries are in a relationship? I know that I had not for a long, long time until someone, one of my friends looked at me and said, you need some relational boundaries. Now, let me tell you this. I am from southern Louisiana. I am a Cajun. We do not know what relational boundaries are, okay? People come over every day. They walk up in your house. They take your food out your fridge. Like, we don't, we don't, that's just normal. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. You just go up in people's houses. You just do this stuff. And we always just thought that was normal. And if someone ever said to you, like, hey, now's not a good time, you're like, golly. They must be from New York or something. Like, that's weird. Like, these foreigners in a, in, a, in a Cajun land, why are they in our spot? Because we just didn't grow up like that. And most of us in the South did not grow up learning what relational boundaries are. How many of you know it's okay to say no sometimes? It's okay to say no sometimes. I had three trips scheduled in this, this last month, okay, and... Um, one of them was this, one of them's uh, a, a meeting with another pastor, and some uh, just little trips. And then I had another one in March going to Azerbaijan, which you're like, where's that? I don't know. I was just going where they told me to go, okay? Um, and it's, it's like by Iraq to go meet with the president and do the kind of what we're doing here. The last day in Israel, my wife calls me and she goes, if you go to Azer wherever, there's going to be Azer hell when you get home. <laughs> I've been at home with three children, okay? I'm like, uh, okay, okay. So I had to learn that saying no does not mean saying never. Saying no keeps me healthy because healthy relationships require rest. As we continue, exhausted, fell asleep. Suddenly a violent storm developed with waves so high the boat was about to be swamped. Yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly. I love that because, number two, healthy boundaries keep you out of the chaos and the chaos out of you. Healthy boundaries keep you out of the chaos and the chaos out of you. How many of you know people that when they get around you, they bring chaos with them? You know those people? How many of you are those people? How many of you sitting next to those people? Okay. We all have those friends that when they show up, you're just like, oh, God, it's about to get crazy. Like, it's just, it's, I, I just need peace. I just want to rest. And they show up and it gets chaos. Healthy boundaries allow you to go, hey, I know that you live in chaos, but just because you live in chaos doesn't mean that I have to live in chaos. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was going, just because there's chaos going on around me doesn't mean that I have to be in chaos. Just because you're scared and life is going crazy for you doesn't mean that I have to let your anxiety jump on to me. I, 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 I'm a good time. Can I say that? Can I just tell you guys that? Your pastor's a good time. Like when we go places, people are like, hey, bring Christian. He's a good time. Like that's what they say probably about me. They say I'm tall and good looking and a good preacher too. But they say bring him. He's a good time, okay? So we go to Israel and everyone, every night, 
we're going, you know, you go, let's go explore the Israeli nightlife, and let's go see, eat this place, and let's go walk down the Sea of Galilee at night, and let's go swim in the Dead Sea, and like, you know, every night, it's like a bunch of like, it's like a, we started as all like very educated pastors, but like the third day, it was like a youth group trip, like people are like, hey, we should toilet paper, that guy's bad, like, so <laughs> every night, let's go, let's go do this, let's go do this, it'll be fun. Well, the last night, I started to prepare to come home because I'm wise, okay? I'm wise. We've been in this a long time. We've been together since, since 16. I don't know. We're, I'm almost married 10 years. been together 14 years. I've been doing this a long time. And I know that if I show up at home tired, it's not good. So I knew, yo, I need to make sure that there's no chaos in me. I need peace when I go home. And so last night, everybody, this is the last night, let's go, come on, it's going to be awesome. And I say to them, y'all go, I'm going to go to sleep early. I'm have, and immediately, it's like, well, what do you, what do you mean, what are we going to do then? I'm like, what are we going to do then? Y'all go have fun. Like, y'all go do whatever. Y'all do the same thing we've done every single night. Y'all go have fun. No, it's like, not fun if, like, you're not going to come with us. I'm like, There's literally 30 of y'all. Somebody else can be the fun guy tonight. Y'all go do. Because what I realized is just because they have expectations of me doesn't mean I have to live up to their expectations. And a lot of us are in relationships that have put expectations on us that have brought chaos into our lives that God never intended you to carry. And you've been on a relationship with somebody that now has put you in the midst of a storm that God never intended you to be in. Because you should have either said no to the relationship or when the chaos started around them said just because you're in chaos doesn't mean I have to be in chaos. You know what it means to be anointed? It means that when you walk into chaos, it stops. When I walk into a room and there's chaos, I don't care what the chaos is. Now that I'm there and I carry the presence of God and I know who I am and I'm comfortable with who God made me, now there's going to be an element of peace in the room because I don't have to live by the chaos. How many of you know when you are a carrier of Jesus Christ, you walk in that same authority? You know those people that when they walk in a room, everything changes in the room? Each and every one of you have the ability to be that person. But it starts with us being able to recognize that one, we're the anointed one. we got to be more like Jesus. And then two, that when we step into chaotic situations, we can bring the peace to the boat. We don't have to ride on the boat into the chaos. Don't allow others to put expectations on you that you never asked for. Only Jesus can save people. Let me say this for a second. Only Jesus can save your friends. Only Jesus can get them a job. Only Jesus can help them with their relationships. Only Jesus can fix their parental issues. Only Jesus can fix their boyfriend issues. Only Jesus can fix their identity issues. Only Jesus can fix their insecurity issues. Do not allow yourself to become trapped being that person's life raft when God never intended you to save them. God intended himself to be the source of identity and security and peace and salvation for people. But unhealthy relationships will grab onto you and expect you to become those things and pull you down in the process. I know y'all don't know anybody like that. Y'all are looking at me like, I don't have any of those relationships. I just, I don't know those people. Okay, well, let me just tell you, I know a lot of those people, okay? I know y'all. Some of y'all are a lot of those people, okay? Y'all just like real quiet on me. Y'all, it's the beard, isn't it? Like the beard, I shaved it, and now you guys are like looking at me like, is he 12? Has he been lying to us? I didn't know 12-year-olds could get tattoos. It's weird. I'm thinking of all the jokes my friends have told me in the last 24 hours about what I look like without a beard. And as I said that, I just so many of them I can't even express. But um, don't allow other people's expectations to sink your ship. 
God created you to be a vessel of peace, not a vessel of chaos. But people will put expectations on you that only Jesus can fulfill. Spouses, husbands, wives, let me tell you this. This is very important. I learned, thank Jesus, that someone taught me this lesson early in marriage. Only God can fulfill my mate. I can never be Jesus to Alex. I can only be her husband. And if she puts God-sized expectations on me, I will let her down every single time. Our goal in a marriage is not to put God-sized expectations on each other. It's to lean fully on Jesus and enjoy each other along the journey. God never intended your mate to fulfill you or save you. He intended your mate to cheer you and accompany you as you press on in your journey that Jesus has for you. If you put God expectations on anyone, they will let you down 100% of the time. Only Jesus can save us. Saying no doesn't mean you're saying never. And then number three, we need healthy perspectives of our relationships with Jesus. As we continue, yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly. The disciples woke him up saying, save us, Lord, we're going to die. But Jesus reprimanded them. Why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith? And then he stood up and rebuked the storm and said, be still, and instantly became perfectly calm. The disciples were astonished by this miracle and said to one another, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. We need a healthy perspective of our relationship with Jesus. I think oftentimes we limit what Jesus can do in us because we limit who Jesus is in us. Do you understand what I just said? We limit what Jesus can do through us because we limit in our mind who Jesus is inside of us. The disciples had an excuse. They didn't know. Jesus was Jesus from the block. He was Jesus from Nazareth. They were like, they were just like, Jesus walked by and he was like, hey, y'all come hang out with me. They were like, okay. And then they watched as he fulfilled messianic prophecy. They didn't know that he was the savior of the world. We know that he is the savior of the world. We know that he can do anything he would like to do. We know the power that comes in our lives when God fills us. We have no excuse to limit what God is able to do inside of us. When you understand who Jesus is inside of you, it changes everything. George Whitfield said, and I'm apt to use this a lot and maybe times when I shouldn't. He said, I am invincible until the Lord calls me home. What does that mean? I love that. I say that all the time. I'll be doing 90 on 99. My wife's like, we're going to die. I'm like, I'm invincible until the Lord calls me home. She's like, don't tempt him, please. I'm invincible until the Lord calls me home. What that means is that God has a plan and a purpose for your life that until you fulfill your God-given days on this earth, the devil cannot touch you as a believer. What does that do for you? One, it gives you a healthy perspective that you need to walk with authority in your relationships. You need to be comfortable with who God has called you to be and what he's called you to do. Two, let me tell you this. I've been in some crazy situations where people start freaking out. Where you want to you see people freak out? Hit some bad turbulence on a plane, okay? I just flew 16 hours in the last two days. I'm a little jet-lagged. You want to see people lose their mind? Start, the turbulence starts happening, and the flight attendants are holding on, and you look around, and people are just like, all of a sudden, people never prayed in their life are praying, okay? People are grabbing onto anything that looks like a rosary. People are holding up books, ain't even the Bible. Just like, I mean, people are losing their mind trying to get peace. You look at me, though, I promise every time, I'm just like, chill. I was on a plane ride, and somebody goes, why are you, you're not worried? I said, listen to me. God called me to plant a church in Tomball, Texas. We are a year into this. I'm not done yet fulfilling the God-given purpose that he put on my life. I am invincible until the Lord calls me home. And guess what? Because you're on the plane with me, you get to make it to where you're going too. 
God created you to walk in that authority, to understand who you are in him, who he is in you, so that it changes the world through you. The relationships that you're in get to float. You know why they get to float? Because you're in them. The relationships you carry get to go somewhere. You know why they get to go somewhere? Because you're in them. And you know why that happens? It's because Jesus is in you. And when you understand that concept, you're able to walk with a new boldness into any situation that you go into. That when the turbulence of the world hits everyone else, it doesn't have to hit you. That you can look around and go, it's going to be okay because I know who Jesus is in me. It's going to be okay because I know what he called me to do. And it's going to be okay for you because you're in my boat. That, that was good. Like, I mean, that was like, whew, God. None of my other friends are preaching today, by the way. We all got home like, like I don't even know what time it is, what day it is. They're like, are you really going to preach Sunday? I'm like, I'm, well, I would not miss preaching Sunday to just save my life. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're jet lagged. You might say stupid stuff. I'm like, you don't go to my church. I say stupid stuff all the time. Okay. <laughs> I am anointed to change my circumstances. I am anointed to change the circumstances I am. I am in, and then I am who I am because of my relationship and my proximity to Jesus. Listen to me. Being great is not what makes you a ship saver. Being great is not what makes you anointed. Being tall, good-looking, dark, handsome, talented, sophisticated, college-educated, doctorated, none of those things make you able to be a ship saver. What makes you able to change the circumstances you walk into or when the power of God lives inside of you? We see this happen as we close. Man, well, you can come up. Acts 4, 13. I love this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, what is this? This is, this is the boldness I'm talking about. This is the authority that you can walk in. This is the power that is available for all of us to operate in on a daily basis. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived, and just so you know, read, you want to you just read about Peter and John from a perspective of like, not like the Apostle Peter and not St. Peter and St. John, like, like normal men like you and me. If anything, you see, you go, to, you go to Israel and you see like, it's a time warp. You're like, they were just sitting here fishing and Jesus walked down the shore and was like, yo, let's go, y'all come with me. And they were like, okay. There was, there was nothing special about St. Peter. He was just fishing. He was cursing. He was walking on water, cursing, walking on water. You know what I mean? Like there was, He was a lot like you and like me. But you watch Peter and John, and they just do like, they just start getting bold. Like they just get like kind of gutsy. Like walk up somebody, be like, you have money? Like the, the beggar at the gate. We walk through that gate, and I'm thinking in my mind, the beggar's sitting there going, hey, do you have money? And they're like, silver and gold have I none. But get up and walk. And they're like, okay. And they get up and walk. I'm like, yo, like they, they were just doing anything. Because they were bold in who Jesus was in them. The boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. What is it that sets us apart? How do we change the ships that we're in? How do we become people that we can put people on our boat because it's a boat of peace. It's a vessel of tranquility. It's a vessel that's going somewhere safe. It's because we recognize that we had been with Jesus. It is only and solely because of Jesus. We've got to be people who become more like Jesus. Being in Israel did a lot in me, but one of the amazing things that did this trip in me was remind me that I've got to be more like Jesus. I've got to be more like Jesus in what I, what I see. I've got to be more like Jesus in my perspective. I've got to be more like Jesus in my relationships. I've got to be more like Jesus in my boldness. I've got to be more like Jesus in my purpose. I've got to be more like Jesus in my eternal perspective. I've got to be more like Jesus. 
You know why? Not because it makes us great. Not because when you're like Jesus, everything's good for you. Not because when you're like Jesus, it, it, it's awesome and peace and you walk into situations and it changes. And that. All of those things are amazing. But that's not why we got to be more like Jesus. We got to be more like Jesus because we live in a broken and hurting, dying world that is desperate for people who know who they are, who is desperate for people who have peace inside of them, who are desperate for people that know what God has called them to do and who he's called them to be. This world is desperate for people who walk in authority and with boldness. The world is desperate for people who aren't moved by the chaos but bring peace to the chaos. The world is desperate and hurting for people who can step into their situations and be the anointed one and change everything. The world needs us to be more like Jesus. We don't need to be more like Jesus for us. We need to be more like Jesus because the world needs us to be more like Jesus. The church of Jesus is supposed to be a hospital for the broken. And if that's the case, then when they walk in here, they need to meet doctors and nurses who are waiting to embrace them, waiting to hug them, waiting to go, we've been waiting, we got a bed for you we got a place for you. No matter what the injury is, we're not rattled by it. We can take care of you. Come on in. The wounds, the hurts, the frustrations, the identity crises, it's okay because we know who we are. You ever roll up into a hospital and they're like, hey, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Like, you're sick? Oh, shoot. We don't know what to do with that. Like, maybe you got the, I'd be like, I'm at the wrong hospital. This is the wrong hospital. (laughs) Get me to a right hospital that knows what to do with me when I'm sick. That's what I would think. And I think a lot of times the church has been muted by society because people have come up in the church hurting and broken and we've looked at them and said, we don't know what to do with that. We don't know what to do with your hurts. We don't know what to do with your pains. We don't know what to do with your crises. We don't know what to do with your chaos. We don't know what to do with your wounds. We've got to be more like Jesus because the world needs us to be more like Jesus. And if we can be more like Jesus... Every situation we step into, every boat that we get our feet onto, all of a sudden we're anointed. And so the situation changes. You were anointed. If anything, I want you to walk away from today going, I am anointed to walk into my workplace. I'm anointed to walk into my family. I'm anointed to walk into my marriage and bring peace. I'm anointed to walk into my friendships and bring peace. I'm anointed to go to my school and bring peace. I'm an, I am anointed and bold and where I walk, Jesus walks with me. And as you do, you will watch the world around you begin to change. This is so rare. You know why everyone in a room recognizes when someone walks into a room like that? Because it's so rare. But God is calling each and every one of us to be this in a hurting and a broken world. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, we're so thankful. We're thankful that you change everything. We're thankful that 2,000 plus years ago you stepped on this earth and you shifted everything. That your anointing broke yokes, that your anointing healed wounds, that your anointing opened blind eyes, that your anointing walked on water, that your anointing did things that we could have never imagined. And Jesus, your word says that greater things than these will my disciples do. Jesus, let it be so of us. Let it be so of us. Let people say about us, we don't know what it is that's special about them other than that they've been with Jesus. 
Let the world say about us, we don't know why they're so different other than that they've been with Jesus. We don't know why they love the way they love, why they accept the way they accept, why they speak life the way they speak life, why they embrace the way they embrace other than that they have been with Jesus. God, we love you and we're so grateful that we get the privilege and the opportunity to serve you. And that as we walk in that relationship with you, Jesus, all of our relationships are changed. All of our relationships are shifted. That we're not moved by the chaos of the wind and the waves. But we can step into that boat and bring peace just like you bring peace to us. We love you so much, Jesus. Today, Jesus, I pray that a boldness would be on every single person here. I pray that they would experience that peace and that tranquility and that boldness and the authority that comes only from you, Jesus. And they would walk in it. That it changed their workplace. It changed their schools. It changed their marriages. It changed their families. God, that every area they set their foot into, they would set their foot into it with a boldness that comes only from you. An anointing that comes from being a Christian, a Christ-like person. Jesus, we must become more like you. Today our prayer, Jesus, is make us more like you. Make us more like you. That we would begin to see the world not as we see the world, but as you see the world. And that we would be your hands and your feet, Jesus, to a hurting and broken world. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there's those who use them preaching that may, maybe you're going, Christian, that authority you're talking about, that relationship you're talking about, that power you're talking about, I have never experienced that. Maybe you've experienced church, you've experienced religion, but you've never experienced a genuine relationship with the creator of the universe. And today I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. If that's you and you just go, Christian, I, I don't know what it all entails, but I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I want to give him my life. I want to experience that authority and boldness. I want to begin that journey today. Is that you? Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is between you and Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand for me so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. Put your hands down. Now, we're all going to, you can repeat this prayer after me. You can say it under your breath. You can say it out loud. I love when we all pray it together. Sometimes my mom was here three weeks ago and I'm praying it. And, and my dad's church, they all say it together at the end. And so she's saying it like very loud. And I'm like, yo, mom, I think everybody thinks you got saved today. So that's good. But we're going to pray this together as a family. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart because this is between you and Jesus. This is a decision between you and Jesus. This is a relationship that you're beginning with Jesus. This is a step you're taking to get on Jesus' boat and allow him to change you. If you will repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus, today I realize how badly I need you. Jesus, I need your peace. I need your authority. I need your boldness. I need your provision. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you came to earth to live a perfect life. And then you died a death I should have died to pay for my sins, to take care of my sin bill so that I didn't have to. And then I believe that you rose from the dead to give me freedom in life so that I could live the life that you always wanted me to. Today, Lord Jesus, I give myself to you. I become a follower of Jesus. Fill me with your love. 
Fill me with your peace. Fill me with your power. And walk this journey with me. Now, Jesus, I just pray for every single person who prayed that prayer. I pray that you would seal it in their heart. I pray that this would become a moment in, in their history and eternity, God, that shifts them forever. I pray that they would experience you even tonight, God, as they lay their head on their pillow, they would experience you in a new way. They would experience a peace that passes all understanding. They would experience a joy, God, un unspeakable. They would experience a boldness that they know comes only from you. And that it would change every single place they set their foot into. Bless them and keep them, God, in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Man, I love it. I'm so, so excited to be home. It is, there is no better view. I, the last day we were there, I, this is, this is cool. This is like, there, there, this is my second time. So there's not many things that I do that was like, oh, this is awesome. This was cool. I got up in the Garden of Gethsemane where Judas betrayed Jesus and was able to preach to all these people about, about, this what had happened there and it was awesome there was this moment where I'm like this is crazy like I'm in the garden of Gethsemane preaching about the garden of Gethsemane like that was cool this is better this is better there is no place in the world like Valley Rise Church I'm so glad to be back with you guys love y'all so so very much hey if you came prepared to worship with your giving today we got three ways that you can do that you can give an offering envelope when they pass the buckets also you can put your connection cards in those buckets you can go to valleyrisechurch.com, click the giving link, or you can text Valley Rise and the amount to 77296. I say this every Sunday because we have so many new people that are coming in. We want everything for you and nothing from you. The Bible says every man should decide in his own heart what the Lord would have him give. So I will never ask you to give anything, but we always say you ask God and whatever God tells you to do, we believe that he will provide. We're going to pray over this and we'll let you get out of here. Dear God, thank you so much for each and every person here. God, thank you for every gift and every giver. Thank you, God. As they sow into the kingdom of God, I pray that you return it back a hundredfold, God. That as they bring what we know is already yours, Jesus, it's what you've given us. We return it back to you, and we just say, Jesus, it's all yours. We love you. We want to build your house, Jesus. We want to further your kingdom. We want to build a hospital for broken people, God. We're so grateful that you let us play a small role in it. We love you, Jesus. We give back to you today. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.